Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And what's up? Welcome in Monday episode GC Live. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark, South Carolina versus Florida on deck. We're going to start to give some initial thoughts as we, of course, break down that game throughout the week. Gamecocks coming off their bye week. Florida coming off a fairly convincing win over Vanderbilt over the weekend that we will somewhat dive into as we start to get into this game. But first, going to tell you about our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. If you want more information, like I said, just head on over to clinthammond.com. The short version is if you are in the market to buy a home and uh, you need somebody to kind of walk you through that process as far as getting a mortgage, Clint is the guy. And Clint has been my mortgage broker when I bought my first house. He's been my mortgage broker when me and my wife bought a house. He can be the same for you. His cell phone number, 803-422-6797. And NMLS number is 71597. Clint located right here in Columbia across from Dreher High School. but no matter where you are in the state of South Carolina, he is licensed to help you out. We'll tell you more about some of our great sponsors as the show goes on. Chris, uh, game back on for the season. Got the little break in. Bye week is out of the way. And now for South Carolina, it is seven straight matchups with no breaks along the way. And a, uh, I-, I will not use must win. You know this about me by now. I know, I know. No matter how bad Tyler Head wants me to say must win, I will not do it. But clearly an important game for the Gamecocks coming up. Yeah, and if we're going to go to coach speak land, Wes, we could say every game's important. You want to be 1-0 every week. But I think this one's so important, so critical, you could say, I guess, uh, because of where things are at. You know, the the point of the season that you're in, and how the season's gone so far, uh, you know, Shane Beamer said, "We, hey, we think we're better than a two and three team, but he's also said you are what your record are. This is a results-driven business. If you're a two and three football team, you don't get to say, well, we, we you know, we should, could, could be, you know, three and two. It could be four and one. You know, some people say, oh, you could be zero oh and five. You are what you are. You're two and three, and that's not where you want to be. Then you look, Wes, at the back half of the schedule. As you said, seven straight games. This is a banged-up football team. Yeah, you get four home games in November, but if you look up and down the schedule, as we know, Wes, there's not a reprieve. There's no easy weeks coming. Are there a couple more games on this schedule that are a lot more winnable than some others? Yes, that is true. But there's probably only, what, maybe a couple of those? You look through and you're quickly in toss-up territory. You're quickly in South Carolina is not going to be favored territory. And so as you continue to search through this schedule for things like a winning season and bowl eligibility and, you know, kind of equaling or surpassing what you did last year, you're running out of games to do it in. And the schedule uh, continues to stay difficult. It, it, it was difficult game one. It's difficult game 12 everywhere in between. So this game's very, very important. You've got a South Carolina team that uh, plays much, much better at home. you got a Florida team who, under Billy Napier, has played much, much worse on the road. What does that all mean? We're going to see on Saturday, but definitely a critical matchup. Yeah, and uh, obviously a bit of a toss-up game. Vegas agrees, as you would expect. And the line kind of bounced around a little bit right off the bat. I, when I initially looked at it on FanDuel, it had South Carolina by three. And then I was writing an article like I always do on Sunday, sort of putting out the early line. And literally by the time I had written it up and had gone back and refreshed the page, it said two and a half. And then by then, 
Circa Sports, which used to be the first sort of major book to put out their lines. Now it seems like FanDuel Sportsbook goes out a little bit earlier. But Circa had it at South Carolina by one. So um, incredibly tight there. FanDuel opened it up over under at 53 and a half. Circa had it at 48 and a half. Looking at Vegas Insider now, which is kind of, I think, the best way to get a consensus number as sort of the week goes on. Currently sits at South Carolina favored by two and a half and the over under at 52 and a half. So regardless, very tight. Um, that line's getting kind of bounced around back and forth a little bit. But South Carolina, I would imagine unless new news comes out, will close as a just very small favorite going into this game and two pretty evenly matched teams, you would think. And like we talked about on the radio today, man, kind of weird. South Carolina crushes Florida two seasons ago. They go to Gainesville last year, kind of kind of riding high, man. Like they were playing pretty well at in a way before that game. They kind of – it felt like they had kind of found themselves a little bit in the middle part of last year. Then they hit a little bit of a – I guess uh, Bumpy Patch again played just not good at all in Gainesville. And then, as we all know, they bounced back and, you know, finished the year with a strong play against Tennessee and Clemson. So, uh, just the the last two years, the home team has kind of just controlled this game throughout in both, in both cases. Yeah, they have. And, um, you know, look, look back. It, well, I think most people watching this show can contextualize what that means for South Carolina. You can look at the games they've played and finally getting some afternoon games, Wes, on the schedule. Lots of night games, as Shane Beamer kind of laughed about last week. But they have. this has been a, a good team at home, a, a better team. Have there been some spots? Sure. You think about uh, Missouri last year, for instance, being a very disappointing home game. But generally, this is a team that, has played much better at home. Florida has not played well on the road. Um, I think just, what, one road win for Billy Napier? Is that right? Um, even at neutral sites, look at them playing Georgia. Look at their bowl game in 2022 to end last year. Got walloped by Oregon State. So it's a thing. Will it continue to be a thing? You know, we'll see. But but a couple, like you said, evenly matched teams. This is one of those games where I don't think you look at either program really in any phase of the game and say that this program is just, this team is just so much better than that other team in one facet or another, pretty evenly matched. I think if this game was in Gainesville, you'd see a similar line in favor of Florida, right? To your point about Beamer and this team, couple points on that. So Shane Beamer, 2-0 and so far during his tenure at South Carolina, coming off of bye weeks uh, in 2021. It was you get destroyed at, uh, in College Station by Texas A&M. I think they lost that game by 30. You you have a bye week, you come back home, you beat the Gators by 23 points, 40 to 17. Look at last year, they beat they uh, beat Kentucky. Was it beat Kentucky and then beat A&M after the bye? Something of that nature. They win that game. How will they respond this year? They've had one year where they were coming off a loss on the bye. Last year, they were coming off a win off the bye. This year, obviously, coming off the disappointing loss to Tennessee. If there's something that we know about Shane Beamer, West, it is that he has done a really good job of, I don't even know if I'd say rallying the troops, per se. I would I would categorize it more as just keeping his guys focused and kind of blocking all that out, just keeping his guys focused and on track to where they can go out and perform. Now, Wes, one key difference, though, I've, I've mentioned this before, and I'd like to unpack this a little bit more maybe throughout the week or just whenever. Last season, one of the biggest frustrations about this team was that you knew offensively they had more talent than you would see. There was no reason that that football team on the surface should go down to Gainesville and not score an offensive touchdown because of the guys that they had on the roster. That was incredibly frustrating. So they finally made some tweaks at the end of the year that helped them kind of unlock that potential, right? And they unlocked it in a pretty significant way. 
My kind of question about this team is how much upward mobility does this team have? Some areas I think they are what they are. Some areas could get better, but it's primarily been driven by injuries, I think, right? Like look at wide receiver, the production. You can't say, oh, they're healthy and they're just not producing. That's not the case. Even the offensive line, which you could say it is what it is, even the offensive line, you've lost your left tackle. You've lost your right tackle. You've lost your Kai Moore. You have a lot of guys out there. So to me, the question of whether or not they can have more upward mobility, a lot of it does relate to health. We haven't seen this football team at full strength. I don't think we will against Florida either, but it's just something I think you bear in mind uh, as we you know, continue to play games this season. Sorry for the long-windedness. I had a lot to get out there. No, it's good. It's good. And I, uh, I mean, I'm not ready to say there's not upper mobility. I think that, you know, part part of me doesn't know. I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised at this point if we do see this team at full health, you know, with yeah. what we thought they might be prior to the season at this point. You have, obviously, a, a long-ranging interview – or interview – a long-ranging injury with – Juice Wells that we're waiting to see, you know, when he, when can he come back? Jalen Nichols, you know, may or may not play at any point this year. So, you know, it, it's going to be tough for them to feel like they're ever at, uh, you know, 100%. Now, I think the you've had the emergence of some guys on paper. You thought Leggett was going to have a good year. Nobody really, frankly, honestly, if they're being honest with themselves, was predicting Leggett to be like the best receiver in the SEC or in that conversation, which he has been to this point. So, you know, you've had you've had some different things go your way. You've had some different things not go your way. I do think you have some ability in the fact that those freshmen on the offensive line are only going to get better. So, uh, you know, can I think this was probably a good reset weekend for for Tree Babalade, a good reset weekend for Tro Ball. Um, I mean, you can look at, oh, hey, they don't have the running backs this year necessarily that they did last year. At the same time, Marshawn Lloyd didn't even play in the Tennessee game last year. South Carolina was doing that with some smoke and mirrors, getting the ball to A.B. and Leggett on jet sweeps, with a tight end playing running back, um, with a direct snap to D.K. Joyner. You know, a lot of that was kind of smoke and mirrors as far as the running game goes. and. So we'll see, man. I, I think certainly for them, just continuing to find ways to give Rattler some room. And then um, I, I think bringing along Mario Anderson. Like if if there's anything we've seen for the last two games that I think you can take as a major positive, it has been the emergence of Anderson. It didn't feel like they were going to be able to run the ball at all against Tennessee early on. You know, they were kind of having to chase the points by the end, but it felt like there was a – I thought Anderson had a, a pretty decent night in limited carries against Tennessee. So can you kind of, I would say, build off of that? Can you bring along a DJ Braswell? You know, is he a guy that we still haven't seen him play much? Is he a guy that fits in that category that we've been speculating on of Beamer saying, you know, here are some tweaks we want to make. We're just not going to tell you yet. Like, I, I think all those things are worth keeping an eye on. And for South Carolina, I said this earlier, Florida just to me is not a team that has that dynamic guy that just scares the heck out of you. Like, I think if you're looking at the two teams, the scariest guy involved for for either coordinator is still Spencer Rattler. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I kind of like that for South Carolina, Rattler at home. Not that this is going to be easy. They cannot play the way they did last year and expect to win this game, obviously. But I I just – I don't – you looked at Tennessee and you said, man, they've got some scary components here still. With Florida, I'm not so sure you quite say that. I think it's a great point. And, man, look, like, if you look, that, that game, that Florida game was almost every bit as much of an outlier as the win over Tennessee was, right? I mean – well, that, that might, might be a little bit too strong, right? Like that 63-point explosion against Tennessee is something I don't know if you'll ever see replicated in terms of like the context and what it was. But as well as South Carolina played in that game, they played every bit as poorly in the Florida game. That Florida team was not 
that much better than that South Carolina team. They were that day, but for the season, no, they were not. Um, South Carolina played as poorly as possible. I think it's been well documented. Some of the problems that that team was facing, the, the game plan was not a good game plan, obviously. The execution was not good, obviously, with all the turnovers. And South Carolina could not come close to stopping the run with those two backs that, by the way, they'll see again this year, plus Anthony Richardson, who, by the way, was a first-round pick and also ran the ball quite effectively on the Gamecocks. So um, there's some things that are the same from a personnel standpoint. There's some things that are different. Wes, I talked with Boogie Huntley, Gamecocks defensive tackle today on the Garnet Trust Hour, and I kind of I, I posed a question to him. I said, give me your – scouting report on Florida without giving too much away, giving away the game plan, not that he would have done that. And I think he was careful in choosing his words, but a lot of it related to just fundamentals and playing techniques. And I think that kind of goes to exactly what you're saying. This isn't a game where you go in saying, this is going to be one where you got to win the turnover margin three, nothing. Right. This is one where you just got to make some absolutely incredible plays and kind of play out of your mind. This is kind of more of a do-your-job game. You you kind of know what's coming at you. Um, you know that this is not a team that's going to just be overwhelming. Now, you can get beat very, very soundly, as we saw last year, if you turn the ball over, if you don't have a good plan offensively that's cohesive, if you don't have uh, – if you don't play your gaps right, if you don't stop the run you'll get beat by a good bit by this team. But this is much more of a game where it's about fundamentals. It's about technique. It's about stopping the run and playing sound football. If you do that, this is a game that not only can you win, but I would argue should be able to win under those circumstances. Yeah, I think especially at, at home, man. And I, I so to, to get ready for this game, Chris, I I did the unthinkable. I went back. And I watched last year's game. Oh, gosh. Why are you? Oh. So, mm. if anybody else wants a headache, go uh, go, go watch that game. I did I did watch the condensed version, which okay. I, I still don't know how that's legal to be on YouTube, but I'm thankful for it. Um, so, I watched the condensed version of the game. And it, it, was, it was as bad as I remembered. But, so... Not not that y'all need a reminder, but the difference in this game, early on especially, because this game was – it was one of those games where Florida just commanded the first half so much that they didn't even have to play well in the second half. I don't think Florida did play well in the second half, frankly. They didn't have to because they had already taken command of the game. And so early on, Florida scores – on their first four drives of the game, three of those being touchdowns, one being a field goal. They're up 24-0. And their only stop in the first half was at the end of the half, which Florida very nearly almost got into field goal position again. And um, BRC says, no thanks, Wes. Uh, Grant says, thanks for taking one for the team. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm here so that y'all don't have to. How about that? I, I rewatched the game so that y'all don't have to go there. but. Early on, man, Florida rushes for nearly 300 yards in the first half of this game. And this, this isn't one of those things where you're like, ah, you know, you watch your team, you're like, man, they just hit us here. It, it was both running backs. It was inside. It was outside. It was Anthony Richardson. It was – no pressure on him, but when you do get pressure on him, he escapes. It was you get them behind the sticks, but then you have a penalty to move them back on schedule. Early on, I thought the story of the game, Florida's on schedule the entire first half, meaning they're at second and short, they're at third and short. South Carolina, first two third downs of the game are longer than 10 yards. So when you already struggle to – run the football, struggle to protect your passer, you're just not going to be able to stay on the field offensively when you're in third and 14, third. And, now, they they completed one of those by a miracle, and then 
I think the drive stalled after that. But I mean, you're laughing, but it just it no. Was I, I just I thought it's so funny how you just snuck in by a miracle. That just cracked me up for some reason. But that's how the first half felt. Like I'm not. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, I'm not throwing shade. Like I think all the guys will look back on that game and just be like, "Man, that was not. That's not a game you're going to tell your grandkids about." Uh, <laughs> you know, down the road. <laughs> and it was one of those games where everything did go wrong for South Carolina. Now, like I said, Florida didn't play all that well either. South Carolina turns it over the first three drives of the second half, and Florida really didn't. Florida has a – there's a blocked field goal in there. There's a bad snap on a field goal exchange. Like, they're you know, Florida's just they, – they could have won by more, honestly. But – the story of the game was up front, not being able to stop the run, and um, then the added element of Anthony Richardson being like, oh, hey, I can run the football too. So you had these layers, I thought, that that were really painful. The microcosm of the entire game was in the second half when South Carolina kind of had hung around a little bit. game wasn't quite. You know, Hay wasn't quite in the barn yet, wasn't quite over. They pinned Florida deep. They stopped them on first down. They stopped them on second down. It is third and nine. Florida is pinned back in the shadows of their own goalpost, and they run an inside zone on third and nine, and they bounce it outside for 10 yards, and they stay on the field for a first down. It was that kind of day. Yeah, um, just conservative play call. Let's run it and punt it. Let's run it, punt it, not make mistakes. We have yeah. no reason. The it, it was a, the only way we can lose this game is if we throw a pick six here and let them get some momentum on their sideline. Run it, still get the first down. Um, I, I've made the comment before. We'll see if it starts to actually play out this way. I think Carolina has improved in stopping the run. I think we're going to see that a little bit more against some of these teams moving forward. I think not having the threat of Anthony Richardson in the running game is a big loss for Florida. But your boy Boogie, who was on the show today, this is a Boogie, Tonka, TJ Sanders, Jordan Strong. This is their game, I think. They, they got to play well and give Debo and Stone a chance to, to go make a bunch of tackles. And if that happens... Carolina will win this game, I think. Well, and something that we've started to hit on kind of as an early key, Wes, and tell me if you agree. Graham Mertz has been good this year, better than I thought. And when I say good, I mean that in a relative sense. I don't mean it in a good, like a like a Spencer Rattler good or, you know, a, a Caleb Williams good. Like, not like that, right? But he's been efficient. You look at the Vandy game, you say, yeah, I know it's Vandy. You know, he completed like 80-something percent of his passes. Uh, and the Florida run game and the way that they've structured their offense, you know, high percentage, low-risk type of throws, uh, they very much wanted to make him into kind of that game manager, right? I mean, if if there's someone that should have a game manager tag, it probably should be Graham Mertz. And that's no disrespect to him. That's kind of just how it's gone for Florida this year. So what you want to avoid, Wes, is is not letting him do that. You need to make Florida into exactly what they do not want to be. You kind of saw this uh, Kentucky at Florida, right? Huge storyline after that game. You know, Florida and Billy Napier, they want to be this, hey, we're going to play great defense. We're going to out-physical you. We want to run the football, kind of control the game. Kentucky flipped that on its head and did the complete opposite, right? They they out florida what Florida wants to be. They Ray Davis ran for 2,000 yards in the game. They controlled it from start to finish. They controlled the trenches, et cetera, et cetera, and really took Florida out of their game plan. If you're South Carolina, again, you know what's coming. You know exactly what they want to be from an identity standpoint. So early key to this game is, you know, you have to be able to play the run better than you did last season, and you don't have Anthony Richardson back there this year, so you don't have a guy who can break off an 85-yard touchdown run in the blink of an eye. You don't have a guy who's going to 
throw it downfield as much. You want this to be a game where Graham Mertz has to get into some third nines, third and tens. You want this to be a game where um, he has to take some more risk um, and not let Florida kind of play the exact game that it wants to play coming in. For sure, man. And not, not that as we have, as we have talked about, um, what happened last year seems to have very little carryover effect to what happens this year. Um, that was the case with Tennessee. You know, Tennessee blasts South Carolina in Knoxville year one under Beamer. South Carolina blasts Tennessee this, you know, last year. Tennessee bounced back, beats South Carolina this year. Florida, two years ago, Carolina nails them. This past year, you know, Florida very nearly ends South Carolina's season, if you ask some people at that point. You know, so very little carryover. But I, I do think it offers you a little bit, because some of the personnel is the same, it offers you a little bit of the, you know, here's what you cannot have happen for you if you are the Gamecocks. And looking back, man, I mean, so Anthony Richardson was 11 for 23 for 112 yards and two touchdowns. That is 4.9 yards per completion. Like that's uh, – or per attempt. That is just a, the most blah day you could possibly have at the yard as an SEC quarterback with his physical ability. However, Anthony Richardson carried the football 15 times for 96 yards and a touchdown, including a long of 23. Montreal Johnson Jr., 24 carries, 161 yards. That's 6.7 yards per carry and a touchdown. And then Trevor Etienne, eight carries, 100 yards, including a touchdown, which was on that 85-yarder that was just kind of a backbreaker. I think that put them up 21-0 after South Carolina finally had at least a drive that flipped field position. Florida gets the ball in not great field position. They bust off an 85-yard run. And then you're just kind of, as a defense, you're probably in that moment where every everybody that's played any game of any sport at any point in their entire life has a moment where they're just like, guys, this might this might not be our day. Like, this just is, is not going well. Um, so you, you kind of see, I mean, Florida finishes with 374 yards on the ground. That, again, was almost all in the first half. So uh, at one point with a few seconds left in the first half, the graphic popped up. It said 291 rushing yards for Florida. So, Chris, and I'm, I'm getting long-winded here, man, but to, to bring this home for you, Florida this year, if you go to their schedule on ESPN, it shows you, Every single game, who's the leading rusher, passer, and receiver in a game? In Florida's win over McNeese State, it's Johnson with 119 yards. In their win over Tennessee, it's ETN with 172 yards. And in their win over Vanderbilt, it's Johnson with 135 yards. In their loss to Utah, it is ETN with 25 yards in their loss to Kentucky. It's Johnson with 42 yards and in their win over Charlotte, but not a very pretty win, only 22 to seven in Gainesville. It's Johnson with 63 yards. So, I mean, you really don't have to get much further than that to show you that their offense goes as far as them being able to give these really talented backs. Like, these guys are good. It's not – the problem is not at running back. It all comes down to giving them space to operate, I think. Yeah, and look, man, this kind of reminds me of Mississippi State. You know, when they came in, Woody Marks, one of the better backs, kind of quietly in the SEC, was putting up some big numbers at the time. And South Carolina just shut him down, basically. They just – it wasn't fluky. They they put on a great performance from a run standpoint. Now, you forget about it because it was a close game and because Will Rogers had 500 yards in the game. So, you don't really think about that. Uh, but they did. They, they held Woody Marks, I think, what was it, like 27 yards? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the number is, but there is a number 
kind of going off the stats that you just gave where you can look and you could pick one of the backs. You could pick Johnson individually. You could pick ETN individually, maybe add them together. But if they have a back where if you're looking at the box score and you're you're hiding one part of the screen or the piece of paper, you don't know what the score was, and Trevor ETN has 150 yards, South Carolina probably didn't win the game, right? That That's kind of the feel you get from this one. Yeah, and I, Chris, I, I thought that was – I thought it was the best South Carolina has defended the run against Mississippi State since Beamer arrived in Columbia. Like, I, I thought they were that good because they got off blocks, linebackers slowed to the football, uh, their edge guys got off perimeter blocks. Uh, top to bottom, they played the run incredibly well to the extent that now, – now, do you want to give up 400-something yards passing? No. But can you take giving up – a 300-and-something yard day in today's college football game if it means you stop the run? In a weird way, yes. I mean, Mertz threw for 244 yards against Kentucky, and he threw for 333 yards against Utah. So that's the fact that in the case of Kentucky, they have the lead in this game, and you're kind of chasing the game. In the case of Utah, it's pretty close game or at least you're hanging around. It never got out of hand, but you're just not able to run the football. And then he's kind of forced to try to put the game on his shoulders. You know, if if that is the case for South Carolina this Saturday, then I, I think you feel good. You're I don't think in today's college football you're ever going to say, unless you're just the elite of the elite defensively, that you can just shut everything down. I think those days are kind of over where you say, oh, our defense, we just shut down the running game, the passing game. You know, everything. But you got to pick one and then be able to execute it. And I, I think that's the key for South Carolina. Um, we're about at the halfway point, Chris. You want to tell everybody about another of our great sponsors here on GC Live? Yeah, I got an idea. How about we tell them about our buddy Trey Harrell, Wes? Trey's a guy that we met, saw him and his daughter in Charlotte for game one, got to run into him over there at game day. And Wes, he was recently named as the best personal injury attorney by the readers of the Post and Courier. So great honor for him and, frankly, a great honor and a great thing for all of Trey Harrell's clients because they are getting outstanding representation from him. He is an auto accident attorney right here in the state of South Carolina. He helps folks that are injured in auto accidents all over Gamecock country and all over the great state of South Carolina. You can find him online at attorneyherald.com or you can find him on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Trey Helps is where you can find him. If you've unfortunately been injured in an auto accident in the state of South Carolina, don't go at it alone. Find you an attorney who's going to fight for you. Find you an attorney who's going to fight to get you what you deserve. You need to find an attorney who helps. So remember that Trey Harold helps. That's Trey Helps. On Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok on social media or attorneyharrell.com. Appreciate Trey Harrell helping us bring you GC Live a couple times a week. Yeah, appreciate Trey and uh, all of our great sponsors here on GC Live. Um, tell you what, man, let's talk a little recruiting and then we'll get back into the game and uh, then we'll have all week to talk about the game. But so. It kind of feels like we don't have a complete list yet. We never do at this point in the week. Um, we'll have as close to a complete list as possible by uh, Thursday or Friday usually. But it feels like this is going to be one of those big recruiting weekends for South Carolina. The list has already gotten pretty long, and I would expect uh, names to be added as the week progresses. I think important for Carolina to have a big crowd, obviously for the game itself. It's homecoming. But the 2025s, I mean, we're at the point where seniors, most of these guys are committed. Most of the 2024 guys are. But it's a very important time to go ahead and get 2025s on your campus if you're South Carolina. And this weekend will be probably their biggest so far, I think, in terms of having top prospects on campus. Yeah, it, it should be a big one, man. Um, obviously, the the starting point is going to be Daniel Hill, right? That's probably the guy that you talk about, number one. Um, 
still going to be kind of building out the list. The staff is still building out the list, I'm sure, in terms of getting confirmations. But Daniel Hill, the four-star running back from Meridian, Mississippi, long-time South Carolina target, uh, battling Alabama on him. Tennessee trying to, you know, stay engaged on this one. All the schools have hosted him, you know, at one point or another. He's been to Bama, I don't know, Wes, countless times. I think they've got like 14 visits to Tuscaloosa in the on three database for him. Was that Tennessee last weekend? Was it Bama the weekend before that? And I think this is an important visit, Wes. He took his official to South Carolina back in the summer, but the Gamecocks have needed to get him back on campus. I think it could be helpful overall. Daniel Hill, I don't think his opinion has changed about South Carolina, right? But we all know there's some family dynamics at play here. Alabama a lot closer to home. We'll see what happens here, but important to get him back on campus for sure. And, uh, again, not I always feel a little uncomfortable getting too much into family dynamics, Chris. Try to be respectful of people's privacy. At the same time, it's been kind of public too. Like, yeah. It's been public interviews about it. So uh, the, the reason I say this is it will be interesting to see who all comes on the visit, you know, who all is with Daniel Hill. Um, you know, is this an opportunity for South Carolina to move the needle one more time in their favor? You kind of get the feeling too. I mean, he's been to Alabama so many times. They're sitting there in that spot, I bet, that South Carolina has been in with guys before who were in-state for them. Not that Danny Hill's in-state for them, but he's close enough to be, where it's like, all right, what what else do you show the guy? What else do you tell the guy? For South Carolina, you know, they, they've been the leader for a large portion of this process, but it's not like he's been on campus every other week like nah. some guys. So you do still have some upside, I feel like, in getting him back on campus, seeing a great atmosphere. Probably wouldn't hurt to have a great running game on the field this week either. But I think um, for a lot of reasons, important to have a great crowd, great fan support this Saturday for South Carolina versus Florida. And, um, you know, another guy, interestingly enough, as we get to some of the 2025s, Chris, Ryan Montgomery, four-star quarterback, South Carolina is, you know, publicly top five, top six. Um, top five. Behind the, yeah, behind the scenes, top two, conservatively, I think. Yeah, and so. um, interestingly enough, it's South Carolina and Florida that a lot of people think are, are kind of the, the two who are battling here in the early going. He, uh, you know, has visited Florida. He's visited South Carolina before, but has not been to a South Carolina home game yet. Um, you know, I, I think a, a key opportunity for South Carolina with Ryan Montgomery as well, potentially emerging as their guy for that 2025 quarterback slot. You know, you're always kind of looking – I call it kind of that mutual interest. And it feels like there is high mutual interest for for both parties here. Um, now the question is, can it kind of take that next step? And I, I think this weekend will be a key moment in that for both South Carolina and Montgomery. Yeah, and if you look at um, that quarterback position for 2025, Wes, this is the guy that they've really kind of zeroed in on for various reasons. Um, there's only four offers out for South Carolina at the position in 2025. You know, KJ Lacey was a very early one for the Gamecocks out of Alabama. He's committed to Texas. Wasn't ever really a lot of traction there. And then we saw really just about all at once, wasn't it, Wes? We saw Dowell Loggins extend uh, three offers, and they were to Deuce Knight from Mississippi, Will Wilson from Richland Northeast here in, in South Carolina, and Ryan Montgomery from Ohio. Deuce Knight has committed to Notre Dame. Will Wilson committed this summer to NC State. And Montgomery is, is out there uncommitted. Now, that doesn't mean that he's the guy just because those others have committed elsewhere, right? That like This is how it happens sometimes. Um, he was always a guy that, again, those guys all got offered around the same time. And this is a guy that they've liked a lot. Dowell Loggins went by his school uh, back on Friday. He's had this South Carolina – versus Florida trip booked for a while. This will be his third time on campus. And it is pretty interesting, Wes, that these two SEC programs are pretty high on his list. But a lot of traction here. 
I think a big third visit. This will be kind of a, a unique atmosphere visit for Ryan Montgomery. Kind of a th- this is a situation where you are going to be able to show him something new. This isn't a kid right down the road. This isn't a kid that has been on campus 10 or 15 times. This will be his third trip. And I think if it goes well, could really, really set the course, you know, for the rest of his recruitment. It's already kind of narrowed down some. We'll see what happens with more visits, but this is someone who's looking at, you know, making a decision probably early next year, as quarterbacks tend to do, earlier decisions. So it could be a big one. Well, and he's been through the process, or at least his family has. You know, he's got a brother at Ohio State, and they, you know, some some guys just, they've may, maybe never experienced what the process is like. This is a recruit in a family that is well-versed in kind of knowing how to say, all right, let's take our big group of schools that are after us. Let's make it manageable. It's been very deliberate. Like you said, this visit has been set for months as an unofficial visit. You know, you don't always see that. Some guys, some guys don't really, and there's nothing wrong with this, but some guys don't know where they're going on a given Saturday, you know, on that Monday. This has been more, it's almost more been set up kind of like players set official visits, Chris. Like, it's kind of been like, all right, we're going to be here this weekend and we're setting everything around this. And so, you know, I I think for him, it's kind of just been a deliberate process. Let me narrow it down. Let me take a really hard look at all these schools and make a very, um, a timely but a thorough decision on uh, on what I'm going to do. And, man, he's he's put up some huge numbers so far this year as well. So it would be a, a great pickup for South Carolina setting – setting some, I think, state records so far, and uh, just has had a huge year. I was trying to pull some video while we were talking, but the huddle. He broke broke Ben Roethlisberger's record, Wes. No big deal. That guy was pretty good, I think, from what I recall. Yeah, he spent some time in the league. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, maybe an opportunity there for Ryan to move up. Wes, while you well. while you pull up uh, the video, if you're still going to, let me address a couple questions, if you don't mind. Go Help for it. People out. So Keith here asks, what's up with the corner we have committed from the DMV area? I hear Maryland's trying to flip him. Keith, how about I've already published a report for you right on GamecockCentral.com about Braden Lee. And I'll give you a little bit here on the show, too. Um, he... Um, has been to Maryland a couple times, obviously been committed to South Carolina since April. Lee will be on campus uh, with his family this coming weekend on Saturday. And uh, a storyline to watch. I think all the right things are still being said there, uh, but he will be on campus for the first time in a while this weekend. So that'll be a positive development. I think obviously former teammate of Gamecocks freshman Desmond Yumi Azulu, who is having a good experience at South Carolina, which I think will be helpful. Uh, again, more on GamecockCentral.com on that right now. A couple people have asked about Juice, Wes. Uh, no firm word. We'll see what Shane Beamer says this week. If I am a betting man, I, I say he doesn't play. Um, we will see, and we'll see what's said this week and what happens throughout this week. And then uh, K-Matt bringing up Jonte Gilbert. Wes, he'll be in town too this weekend. Former Ohio State commitment out of Georgia, lots of SEC programs and beyond, recruiting him a top, uh, conservatively top 100 player in the 2025 class. Um, by the way, new depth chart is out, guys. I hate doing this on the fly, but looks the same-ish. Not seeing anything that just completely catches my eye that would be new. Looks very similar to last week. So I was going to give everybody a heads up if there was anything brand new on there, but for the most part, Ja'Kai and Tro were listed as oars last week, right? I think they were. Um, I think they were. Anyway, Chris, I am gonna I am going to throw some footage up. This is not of Ryan Montgomery. This is another of another guy we need to talk about a little bit. That would be Bray Staley. 
very intriguing just situation here. In-state guy, initially most people thought he was going to Clemson. Clemson kind of fills up at his position. Tennessee makes their push. There was some chatter, some talk, some rumors. Maybe South Carolina offers this summer. He didn't camp at South Carolina this summer. He commits to Tennessee. Now, this past week, the Gamecocks officially offer um, with uh, Justin Stepp being at his game on Friday night, uh, as we reported was going to be the case on Thursday. And, Chris, I'm uh, my, my antenna is up here. Officially? Well, it's been there. From from what I've heard, it's worth tracking at the very least that um, that he's willing to hear what the Gamecocks have to say. Well, Wes, we we have tracked in the past hat science. We've tracked gloves science. We added wristband science to the lexicon the other night after his game against. I think they played Saluda, right? Uh, sporting the Gamecocks wristband. How about that? Pretty interesting. Uh, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because I don't think you make an absolute mountain out of that. But, yeah, I mean, it is interesting. It is um, a situation that is definitely worth monitoring. We've heard – hadn't talked to Bray himself, Wes, but you hear some things here and there to where it's not been dismissed outright, you know. And we know from back in the summer when it we kind of got the sense that South Carolina may offer. It didn't end up happening. The clock kind of expired, so to speak, because he committed to Tennessee. But I kind of got the sense back in the summer that had South Carolina jumped in, and it would have been late even then, right? we felt like maybe they could have made something happen then. So now, of course, it's even later. He's already committed. But I've, I've gotten a few pieces of info that kind of has me thinking, okay, th- this is a situation probably worth monitoring. Got the film on here now. If you're on the video version, if you're on the podcast or audio version, um, we still appreciate you, but the video version is just better, in my opinion, because you get to watch this. He's talented, man. I was talking to Charles Power. He does the rankings on on three. He's he's been high on Bray Staley for a while, still is. Got him in the number two prospect in the state of South Carolina at this point. I I I got a little bit of Shaq Rowland in high school here, man. What do you what do you think of that? Wasn't there somebody else you compared to Shaq Rowland recently? And I went back and looked and I saw what you meant. On that, hey, you maybe know? Am, I, am I on a Shaq Rowland? Well, you might <laughs> go into the Shaq Rowland. Well, yeah, no, I, I mean, I I agree. I mean, I, I can see it. Um, man, I remember watching Shaq in high school, he, he was guy, he was such a good athlete. But I think that's what stands out about Bray Staley, where you know, if you're gonna miss on a guy, and I'm not saying he is a miss, obviously, but like. If you're going to miss on a guy, missing on athleticism is a pretty good idea. And this is a guy that's a he's a jumper in track. Uh, he's a he's a he's a runner. He's a 200 meter <laughs> sprinter. So he he can run. He can leap. He can get bigger. Like athletically, he's got it. To whereas he continues to develop as a football player, uh, I think he's got some very intriguing tools. And I think that's why a lot of um, fans are looking at this guy going, can, can we please not let another, you know, athletic receiver leave the state and, and especially go to Tennessee? Well, dude, I know they don't, um, they don't have like make you miss obstacles on the track, but this guy, <laughs> this guy makes you miss too, man. Like he's not, he's not straight line only on this film. I haven't seen him in person, but I, I like this dude a lot, honestly. Um, Craig, okay, Craig, there you go. Craig's going to agree with me. Quick twitch, smooth glider. That was Shaq, man. Shaq was the smoothest operator I have ever seen in high school. I always get nostalgic talking about him because... God, he made it look easy. Yeah, Shaq could have been... He could have been so good. And he, he almost has... 
some plays that were so good that are just forgotten, you know, for whatever reason. But man, I mean, he he was a freak athlete. He really was. Shaq actually did have a little bit better career than yeah. than we give him credit for. It just didn't yeah. ever quite take off into like that stratosphere. Have, yeah, that that it could have. Um, but yeah, I hope Shaq is doing well, man. He was always good to me as far as interviews and stuff like that. Um, hope he is doing well. But yeah, so this this one we'll keep watching. As far as analyzing wristbands, I <laughs> I I thought it was a little too on the nose to read into. Like, if you're flipping to South Carolina, you don't throw the wristband on for everybody to see. You know what I mean? Like if, I mean, if you've decided yeah. you're flipping, like I, I felt like I felt like if you're flipping, you're hiding it. You're not <laughs> you're not throwing the wristband on for the whole world to see. I could be wrong. Well, now you're engaging in the wristband science, see? I, I am, but and, – and I mean, like, I'm not saying they can't flip him. I'm just saying I don't think he's made up his mind or anything right now. Right. So, we'll see. We'll be interested to see if they get him on campus, um, you know, at any point here soon. But, yeah, speaking of on campus, keep an eye on a, a great list of visitors that we'll have coming out later on this week. Already – Already ran some other guys out there, ran a, a list, and we'll keep updating that as we uh, go on. Uh, Marshall Pritchett saying today that he will be on campus for the game, a recent South Carolina tight end, offeree, 2025 guy, plays his football in Georgia, but is from the Charleston area. So maybe a, a guy to keep an eye on there as well for South Carolina. Um you know what else people need to keep an eye on, Chris? Bird dogs. Love it, man. Saw you Got wearing the bird dog shirt. Yeah. Busted it out. I know Chris. Uh, Chris Chris is all about the shorts. I'm all about the shirt. We're both all about everything they got to offer. But, you know, everybody's got their favorites. Head on over to birddogs.com. Really, you just want to go to birddogs.com slash Gamecocks, or you can use the promo code Gamecocks at checkout. You will get a free Bird Dogs Hydro Flask style water bottle with that promotional code. They got incredibly comfortable shirts, incredibly comfortable shorts, and uh, all types of colors. Really just high quality material as well, Chris. To be completely frank, I had not experienced Bird Dogs until they came on as a sponsor. We're always going to keep it real, keep it honest. I'm a believer now, man. I don't know about you, but I am a complete believer in bird dogs at this point man they are outstanding absolutely love i love the shirt i wear it all the time don't have it on today but i do have the shorts on of course catch me any day i probably got on a pair of bird dogs liner on the inside super comfortable kind of like gym shorts but on the outside looks good enough to go to a function right i mean you can go do whatever in these shorts they're comfortable they're outstanding go check them out go get yourself free hydro flask style water bottle as well for sure um one more thought on the game before we get out of here and then we'll talk about the game throughout the week obviously chris 330 kickoff does that matter <laughs> uh i think you i think you like south carolina's chances better at night right i mean you could probably say that almost anywhere People are just a little bit more keyed up. Uh, but I think it'll be a good environment. Thinking back to the last couple, 330 or four games, they have been good environments at South Carolina. I think you always, I mean, the, the later you get, the better the environment uh, for obvious reasons, I think. But uh, I don't think it matters a lot. I do think, uh, and I think Shane Beamer's probably, if I had to guess, going to echo this in his press conference tomorrow. They need the fans. They do need the fans to try to show up and try to make a difference because we've seen opposing fans make a difference for South Carolina this year when they've been on the road. We've seen fans make a difference for South Carolina when they've been at home this year. And and if you got a home field advantage, you need to make it such, right? I, I think you got to challenge the fans, man, because they've been great through the first two home games. Like they were phenomenal against Furman, phenomenal against Mississippi State. Um that Missouri game last year just felt – it felt eerie walking in. Now, it, it was loud, but Missouri quickly sort of 
silenced the crowd, I felt like, early in that game. So, it, you know, when you get used to that routine, yeah. I do wonder, you get used to that routine of night games at home, it's like all your home games follow this sort of routine, right? And then, oh, wait, my this is this is different. My body's not quite rolling the way it normally is at home. Like, it's, oh, we're playing right now? Like, this thing started. It, it kind of is a little bit of a mental battle, I think. So, for for the recruits that are in town, for the team itself, I think it is going to be very important for the crowd to absolutely bring it this weekend and uh, get there early. As everybody's talking about in the chat, the fair, you know, it, it's going to be a madhouse down there, as it always is for the fair game. So, and it's homecoming. Get there early or you're going to be chilling in traffic for kickoff. <laughs> for a good um, while. Yes. For Yeah, for a while. So, I don't know, man. So, we got about four and a half minutes left, Chris. I've talked enough. What else do you have to add today? Oh, uh, just put me on the spot. Um, look, I don't know, man. I, I don't – I felt like I already got ahead of myself a little bit on the Florida game was starting to go into keys and things like that. Are we going to run an effort a Florida guest this week, I would imagine? I, I think that one will actually be pretty – We got a team of guys. Yeah, we got a team of guys yeah. on the Florida on three site. They do a great job with all their content for sure. Billy Napier talked today. It was pretty boilerplate, right? Like, it it wasn't – I don't think we learned a whole, whole lot. He talked up Spencer Rattler um, in, in this South Carolina program, but pretty boilerplate stuff. He did mention, Wes, they were going to change up their routine a little bit for a road game. Uh, he said they were going to get to the stadium a little bit earlier. They were stressing sleeping a little bit more and things like that. So, we'll see how much that helps the Gators. But – I don't know if I have a ton more to to offer up today because I want to kind of table it and reserve some of like the Florida deep dive stuff uh, for the shows on Wednesday and Friday. Yeah, Brandon has asked us um, about any possible skill guys making a debut. Um, making a debut, I don't, I don't think so. You know, I'm trying to think of who that would even be. There, there aren't very many guys that you would say, that just have not played, that would be options. Now, are there some guys that haven't played a ton that can maybe play more? Yeah, I mean, Beamer talked about that last Wednesday, SEC teleconference. Like, they are going to make some moves. They're going to make some changes. Will those be big changes or will those be more small internal type tweaks? I don't know. Obviously, the guy everybody wants to talk about is Nicholas Harbor. But, you know, I, I think that's a situation where still – you're kind of trying to find the best way to use him and get him on the field. I think Tyshawn Russell has really shown you some things. That's the guy I actually think could have a potentially impactful, not necessarily catch 30 balls the final half of the year, but I, I he's the guy I've seen the first five games that I think can maybe start to really break out in, in the second half. Um Personally, I want to see some more DJ Braswell, but that's just, you know, I don't really have anything to completely go off of that and just what I've seen with my own eyes. Um, you know, you're, you're already playing the freshman on the offensive line. You're already playing Kilgore. You know, I'll be curious to see, can Vakari Swain start to come on at some point? Uh, you know, past that, I, I really don't even know what, you know, do, do we see Lenora Sellers in – kind of a short yardage or a, a goal line type package. That that would be something that I would put in the realistic category. Yes. That you could see. We brought that up last week. Yes. It, I mean, he's only played in one game to this point. So you're kind of at the point where you could even potentially preserve a red shirt and play him in spots. Yeah, I, I think if you feel like he can help in short yardage, you play him, and I don't even worry about the red shirt, you know. Now, will they do that? I don't know. But Shane Beamer alluded to some potential changes, tweaks um, last week, and some of those could be personnel. Um, some of those could be, you know, philosophical scheme, but probably it'll be some of both, Wes, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll see what he says. I'll be curious to see if he gives a little bit more on that this week. He probably won't because he already told us 
he'll talk about him after the game. So there's some things that they are clearly holding. I have a only a feeling. I'll be completely honest with y'all. I, I don't know for sure that we'll see more of that, but I would not be surprised if we didn't see some shifts to the short yardage situations. For sure, man. Uh, and, and they had some luck actually last year. Not luck, some success last year with the Wildcat against te- or against Florida. So does that maybe play into your decision-making going into this game? I don't know, but could be something worth keeping an eye on. As always, our final sponsor here on the show is our friends at Liberty Tax here in the Columbia area. Three convenient locations, 803-462-5576. Larry and his team will help you overcome your tax anxiety. If you are a small business owner and you want to get a head start on your taxes, or if you uh, just your personal taxes, you've had some life changes or you need somebody, maybe you've been doing your own taxes and uh, don't know if you've been doing them all that well. Go ahead and get a head start. Call Larry today. Call his team today, 803-462-5576, and get a head start on your taxes for next year. All right, y'all. Appreciate everybody for joining. Appreciate all of our sponsors, as always, for making this show possible. And we got plenty to get to as this week rolls on. Plenty of coverage coming up on GamecockCentral.com as well. For Chris, I'm Wes. Y'all have a good one. He and I will see you on Wednesday.